0: Well, good morning, you early birds. <laughs> Congratulations for being here a whole half hour earlier than this summer. Take your Bibles, turn with me as we continue in our study of 1 Corinthians. We're in chapter 12 and the first 11 uh, verses. Page 931, if you use the Bibles here, 931. We live in a celebrity Era, I suppose every season and stage of history has had them, but there's something about having you know broadcast, streaming, and social media that makes it so easy that one great performance can launch you into some kind of instant uh, fame, and so incredible talents emerge on a stage to be. Uh, Audition, discovered, uh, moved up to the next level. Uh, we 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 get glued to our sports that we enjoy, and if you happen to be a Packers fan, you know we hope that uh, the new guy can can uh, fulfill our Super Bowl hopes. Um, it's like we all long to be amazing, and so we try to live vicariously a little bit through others. It seems that. Uh, I can align myself with that team or that person or that must really be amazing. So as Christians, of course, we don't think that way, right? Or or does sometimes church become just another place that we uh, observe or even judge greatness and where we would even long to be, you know, one, have one little piece of greatness ourselves in in maybe the church family stand out uh, some way. So um, this, this morning in these verses, Paul begins a section that is like a, a, a mini-series within his whole big letter. The mini-series is about spiritual gifts. Chapters really 12, 13, and 14 are, have a lot of focus on spiritual gifts. And and spiritual gifts are essentially that God has given um, each believer, some, the ability to do something well that others may not have. The ability to do something well that others may not have, spiritually, that is. So, so is, 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 is Christ just endorsing the celebrity mindset? Sadly, it seems like what was happening in the church of Corinth in the first century was that they kind of saw it that way, that, that uh, their spiritual gift could become a platform for some kind of Little piece of, of their own greatness. So, spiritual gifts, which are a huge blessing from God, actually had become a big problem in Corinth. So, to introduce that in this passage, as he opens up this subject, verse one says, Now, about spiritual gifts, that's kind of the, the hallmark way that, that Paul's like checking off a list, the things I gotta, gotta write to the Corinthians about. So, he says, it's a, this, this one's about spiritual gifts. So what does he do in this introduction? Basically, it seems what he does is he explains why we are given spiritual gifts. And the first reason in verses 1 to 3 is that we are given spiritual gifts to exalt Christ. In other words, not ourselves, but to exalt Christ. Now, as we read these three verses, we kind of have to see even how they connect because to us they might even seem like, what does verse 1 and 2 and 3 even have to do with each other? Okay, now about spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, you may have the word Gentiles, it means when you were unbelievers, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So, spiritual gifts, idols. Cursing Jesus, oh my, what is going on here? Um, obviously, there's some kind of problem to, to be able to say these kind of things. It, it sometimes surprises me that, that God didn't give up on the Church of Corinth. And Paul didn't give up on the Church of Corinth. But you see, that's simply what God does. He works in the messiness of church, because only sinners come to church. Amen. <laughs> only sinners form the church. Only sinners lead the church. And so if God is going to do something to transform people, he gathers us together. The second verse of, our, of, of this whole letter was about being called to be holy, as our banner says. To, that, that's what God is doing. And so in this messy process of taking sinners and, and growing us in our sanctification to become more holy, more like him, then he says, I'm going to have to empower them in a special way. And spiritual gifts are, are that means by which... God begins to work in us and do spiritual work and involve us in the spiritual work that he is doing. So about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. When he says spiritual gifts, that's not an impersonal kind of thing. Like there's this, this gift vague thing out here. When he says spiritual gifts, he's really speaking personally, spiritually gifted people. So he has, I don't want you to be ignorant about the spiritually gifted people that you all are because gifts only are embodied within his people. If, if Open Door Bible Church is a, your church, and it's a place where you are growing spiritually, it is because God is using spiritually gifted people. You grow because of spiritually gifted people. If you want to keep growing spiritually, you need to engage your own spiritual gifts. So in one sense, you're, you're always receiving but this, is, this whole section is the call to be engaged in embracing your spiritual gift because that's actually how you keep growing. And so he invests some three chapters in, in this issue because there was dysfunction in the church of Corinth as they were misusing or misunderstanding spiritual gifts. So he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifted people that are among you. He says, you're kind of like a sports team that is known for having like, raw talent. There's a lot of really athletic, you know, guys on your team, but they need coaching. What's the right and the wrong way to do this? Football players have to have to harness their impulses. They have to have to wait for the snap, right? So that otherwise they're going to be penalized for being offside. Um, they They have to stick to their assignment, and block this guy because if they don't, then the quarterback gets sacked or whatever it is. So it takes incredible discipline no matter how much talent you have. And it seems that too many Christians in Corinth lack that kind of discipline. And in fact, we'll see later that probably too many of them wanted to play quarterback. And so there's, there, there's going to be, you can't afford that in the body of Christ that people don't understand what's going on with spiritual gifts and, and find the, where they function best because, verse 2 says, we have an enemy. And so he, he brings up the spiritual battle that we're all in in verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. If you were with us earlier in chapter 10, Paul was telling the Corinthian uh, church, you got to make a break from going to those idol feasts. I know that's where you always got together before socially, but you can't go to the idol feasts because you can get wrapped up in actually what is demonic and satanic. Chapter 10, verse 20, he says, you know those sacrifices they make to the idols? Those sacrifices are made to demons, not to God. And it's kind of like a wake-up call. You mean... By going and participating in that kind of a thing that I thought was maybe a little more innocent or social, I'm actually like getting mixed up in worshiping the enemy. So it's pretty serious. Why would he bring that up one moment after saying, I'm going to teach you about spiritual gifts? Why would he bring up the demon thing? Um, it's perhaps, in fact, I think it is, a, a big clue as to what one of the key problems is with spiritual gifts in the church of Corinth. In chapter 14, he will really put his finger on it and talk about the problem with the gift of tongues, which then certainly was functioning. But um, why would there be the confusion with demons? Many Bible students and scholars, one of them, Gordon Fee, writes, Paul is reminding them of what they well knew, that in some of the cults, idol worship, some of the cults, inspired utterances were part of the worship so he says you've got to be careful because satan always tries to imitate whatever god is doing so you have to be careful to distinguish that because there were there were, there was demonic gibberish going on with people that were in these uh, demonic trances and so he says you were at that point led astray by by what you know the the demons behind those idols So don't be deceived, verse 2. Don't be led astray. So how will you recognize whether something is authentically from God or not? Verse 3, therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now that's pretty obvious. It raises the question, is he saying that in the Corinthian church there were people standing up and saying, Jesus be cursed? Probably not. I think no matter what the condition of the church was spiritually in Corinth, no one would tolerate that. I think he's saying, but that's the kind of thing that you would hear from the demonic side if you kept being involved in the the, the pagan temples. If there are spirits that are speaking through people there, they're going to say stuff that is in direct opposition and absolutely contradictory about Jesus Christ. John the Apostle, a couple decades later, would write to the church. It was still a problem. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. In other words, does not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. There is so much today that is spiritual and we can easily be drawn to something because it sounds spiritual, it's about God, it's about whatever, and, or people may show up at our door and it sounds so close to what we believe and we even ask them questions and they say things like, you know, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And they actually mean something very different because they believe that jesus is something less than god so a great question to ask whenever you wonder where is this person or group coming from is to ask the question do you believe that jesus christ is god in the flesh that he is actually god come in the flesh and if there's any hesitation on that he says don't don't follow him you'll be led astray satan has always tried to imitate God, to be close to God, to include enough truth that we would fall for the error because the error is what he's all about. Um, Moses, if you recall in the book of Exodus, if you've read about Moses taking the people out of Egypt, he went before Pharaoh instead of let my people go. He did some of these signs like throwing down his staff and becomes a snake. And, and the first couple of plagues, did you ever notice that the magicians of Egypt were able to duplicate some of the signs and some of the plagues not all of them eventually they they fell off and they couldn't they couldn't compete anymore so what were those magicians doing second thessalonians 2 9 and other passages when they talk about what the miracles quote-unquote that satan does calls them false signs and wonders fake fake they they are they're amazing tricks is what they are not real Miracles. One of my theology professors in seminary, uh, Norm Geisler, uh, called Satan the super scientist and master magician because he does not have infinite power. Only God is the creator, only God has infinite power. So he made the distinction that while only God can do the supernatural, Satan can do the supernormal. In other words, Satan can really fool us. He's smarter than us, been around you know, a long time, longer than we have. I am like the perfect audience for a magician because I, I don't have a clue what's going on. It doesn't even really bother me. I just enjoy being amazed and tricked. Okay? But that is essentially what, is, what Satan does in various settings to mimic what the Spirit does. So what Paul is saying is, let's look at the truth core. What do they teach? What do they believe? And bottom line, end of verse three, does it exalt Jesus Christ? He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. Does does whatever you see going on exalt Jesus Christ, or does it exalt maybe the person who's doing it, the movement, the belief system? Um, Spiritual gifts always exalt Christ. And that was a problem in Corinth because there was a lot of desire for self-exaltation through the gifts. And so, so just in broad sweep, whether, whether, whether you will find through these coming weeks as you think through and pray about this, that you have like speaking, teaching type gifts or serving type gifts, realize it's a natural inclination to want to be you know, recognized, you know, if, if not a big star. It, it, get my name in the program or something so that's a natural inclination but only jesus christ is the star only he is to be exalted john 16 14 even the holy spirit exalts jesus christ there's this there's this centrality of being christ-centered so why are we given spiritual gifts to exalt jesus christ and so, if you find your place, beginning to find yourself a place where you begin to be effective, and God is using you, always be doing the motive check. Why am I doing this? Has anybody said thank you? You know, did, did I, Am I getting enough? You know, feedback or attaboys or uh, which we should give one another, indeed. But ask yourself why. All of our motives, I believe, are mixed. So, are we constantly working at purifying our motives to exalt Christ? with our gifts. Reason number one for spiritual gifts is to exalt Christ. Second reason, verses four, five, and six, he gives different spiritual gifts to do all he wants to get done. He's going to accomplish something. God is at work, and instead of just doing it all by the word of his power, which he could do, he does it through us. Somehow he is most glorified when he works through us sinners to do sanctifying work it's a really amazing process verse 4 there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit there are different kinds of service or ministry but the same Lord there are different kinds of working but the same God works in all works all of them in all men or everyone did you first of all notice that the Father Son and the Holy Spirit are all in that verse the Spirit, verse 4, Jesus, verse 5, and God the Father, verse 6. He's making a point. Diversity is essential in a unified church, just like it is in a triune God. Different gifts, same Spirit, different ministries, same Lord, referring to Jesus, different workings, same God, that's the Father. What, 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 what are the different emphases? So different gifts are given. That's the main subject. The spirit giving gifts. So he starts with that. But they're all doing what? They're all serving the purposes of Jesus Christ. They are Christ-centered, gospel-centered gifts that are accomplishing his purpose in the world of the gospel. And then it says there's different workings or power. That's actually the word where we get our English word energy, energeo, which means that he is energizing The the same God is energizing all the gifts. And so all the persons of the triune God are working together, and that's our model of ministry. The church is put to look like the unity of the the, the Trinity. That's a high bar, isn't it? (laughs) Because they are perfectly unified at all times, but never lower the standard. We are to be unified in working together, and if they work together, that's our model that we must work in harmony. All of the gifts working together towards a central purpose. And the central purpose, second line, that's verse 5, is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you put this all together in a sentence, it'd be kind of like this. Through different gifts, the Holy Spirit does different ministries that serve Jesus Christ's purpose with different forms of power, all given by God the Father to different Christians. So you see, there's a lot of different, 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 but it's all serving the gospel cause of Jesus Christ same, okay, verse 5, different service, same Lord, it's all about Jesus Christ. A lot of you were part of the worship in the park two weeks ago, and uh, it it was, of course, a, a real privilege for me to be kind of in a public square kind of a situation and to preach the gospel of jesus christ you can know for sure you'll be in heaven one moment after you die if you put your faith in jesus christ alone who died for our sins and rose again so i got to present that message for what 30 40 minutes why because there were a ton of people using all a variety of gifts to accomplish the preaching of the gospel. I think we had like nine teams and, and various people on different teams and, and, and everybody was doing what they are gifted to do so that we could have the ministry of, the, of Jesus Christ and the gospel. You don't want me doing face painting. <laughs> Mom, what did you do? <laughs> you don't want me plugging the cords and the sound system won't work. It. So everybody works together. Next week, our study in the last... Part of chapter 12 will make that emphasis that uh, the gifts are... We have to appreciate each other's gifts. Don't envy. Don't compete. Don't resent. Those kind of things. So basically he's telling the Corinthian Christians, stop being so immature and quit trying to be the quarterback. Okay, We can, we can almost see already that knowing the, the, the church and how much they struggled with this unity and, and relationship things... Can you see why when you start talking about spiritual gifts, he's, he inserts, basically, into that study, verse chapter 13, the love chapter. Because if you're going to take all these different people who see things such a different way, and they all are kind of to think that their ministry is the main thing or whatever, boy, you're going to need a whole lot of love. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes for all things. And so chapter 13 fits in there perfectly. And then verse uh, 6, different kinds of power or working. But there's the same God doing it. So, uh, you know, as, as our fall ministries uh, begin uh, today, uh, so yesterday or whenever this week, there were student-build teachers pre- preparing lessons or setting stuff up, and there was, there's people today who were ma- had made the coffee, and there's people who are, are going to serve the snacks, and there's welcoming and ushering and all. But all of it, to make an eternal difference, it has to be something different than just doing a community event, because God wants to do something eternal through our serving. And it's not just what happens here on Highway L. it could be you're, you're, you're caring for a, an elderly friend, a preschool child, uh, praying for someone's health, or making a meal, or helping someone move, or whatever it is, but for it to have an internal impact, it's empowered by God because God's plan is to work and use every believer. Um, if you are a believer in Christ, one reason he saved you is so you would be in heaven with him, right? But there's a serving reason or reasons for which God saved you, and that is for what you do on earth before we get to heaven. So there's an eternal reason, and there is an earthly reason, and that's where spiritual gifts are fit into where we want to find, you know, where, where, is, where are the best places for this season of life or my abilities or the church I'm in, those kind of things. It won't be the same everywhere, but where, where do I fit in? And so do you know if, if your gift is engaged? I, I know that's a tough process, um, and we're all at different places in our own spiritual life and, and, uh, and, and even physical life. And sometimes you might think, well, you know, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it's, I fit into things that they need according to the bulletin or, or something like that. And uh, that's okay. Then are you praying for where you do fit into the body of Christ? Where do you fit into Christ's purposes, gospel-centered purposes? Is there, is there something you're doing now that you don't need to keep doing? Is there a shift that God is, 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 is uh, preparing you for? Is there something that God says, you, you really need more preparation to be effective in this? So, so maybe you need to go to a Bible study because you've been kind of using that. I just don't know the Bible good enough to teach kids or, or, or whatever. Well, you know, there are Bible studies. And I mean, I, I, one time I had somebody tell me, well, I don't go to Bible studies because everybody there knows more than me. Okay? So that's why we go to Bible studies to, to begin line upon line learning the Word of God. So he's maybe preparing you with, wants you to prepare with Scripture. Maybe, maybe he's trying to point you to something and you, you just haven't even met the people you're supposed to serve. One of the big reasons that we have, whether it's ladies' fellowship or through the Bible that starts Wednesday night or the adult Bible fellowships that restart today or whatever, is to get people into relationship because as you are in relationship with other people, suddenly there are opportunities that you even never had thought of. And it's not in the bulletin, right? It's, it's, it's a ministry that God begins to show you, because, but you need to meet the people that you're going to serve. And maybe you start discovering something that you could do, and then you say, oh, but that's out of my comfort zone. I, I can almost guarantee you it's not in your comfort zone. Because um, th- there's nothing biblical about comfort zone or that, that spiritual gifts means it's going to be easy, Otherwise, why, verse 6, would we need the working of God? Why would we need the energy of God if because of our skills and expertise and personality and resources we could do it ourselves? It doesn't work that way. Instead, God gives us a spiritual gift, the raw spiritual talent, if you will. And sometimes he just has to throw us in the deep end. Of some kind of ministry where we, it fits us but it overwhelms us and God says that's perfect it fits you but it overwhelms you in in some way and so then you go back and you read John 15 about the vine and the branches just to paraphrase Jesus basically says you know I'm the vine and you're the branches and and you can't get a thing done without me and 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 if you if you try to do it without my power you're like a branch they cut it off and lay it there and expect it to to, to ripen apples no, you can't be a detached vine, you've got to be an attached vine. You've got to draw close to Christ, and then you'll actually bear much fruit. Uh, and that, that this points to kind of an over, overriding theme or burden of Paul in these chapters, and that is that giftedness, spiritual giftedness, is useless without godliness. Uh, you've got to draw close to Christ, and, and godliness is more important than giftedness so if you if you jump into something and you find yourself powerless perfect then god's power will begin to rest in you like paul said in second corinthians if you find yourself in some kind of ministry and you're um, discouraged well god can encourage you and usually god uses people to encourage you so you have to be connected to the body so you get into ministry and you find yourself really frustrated at, at certain kinds of people right so what then what do you need Well, to use the gifts of the Spirit, you need the fruit of the Spirit. Because the gifts of the Spirit will get you engaged with people who are sinners because only sinners come to church and do only sinners are in the world, only sinners that you're trying to reach. So you're getting frustrated with sinners and so you need the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit are things like love and self-control and kindness and gentleness and those kind of things and you go, ah, suddenly this is all of the Spirit thing. Everything that gets accomplished spiritually in the church family ends up being clearly a spiritual thing so that he gets the credit. And we don't walk away and saying, I can do this. We go away saying, look at what God did. As we begin this uh, fall ministry season, uh, first of all, I'm grateful for so many who have you know, you're know, you jumping right back in where you left off maybe in May if there's a ministry that took a pause and uh, you're, you're serving again. And, and I'm also very, very grateful for uh, so many who have stepped up to new ministries because, frankly, a couple months ago there were a lot of holes, a lot of vacancies that uh, we were kind of like swimming and wondering how this is going to work and, and for the most part that God has, has filled in what we need uh, to, to, to carry out and, and bring about these ministries again. And so as you, as you launch maybe something new or get, you know, get back in gear, um, my prayer would not that, be that it would be easy, but that it would be hard enough that you would have to depend upon the energy, the power of God. Why do we have spiritual gifts? To exalt Christ, verses 1 to 3. To do all that God wants done, verses 4 through 6. And then verses 7 to 11, spiritual gifts are given to each of us to benefit all of us. Verse 7 lays it out. Now to each the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That's for the benefit of all. So we're given a gift so that we would serve others. There is there is just no allowance for being me-centered in the body of Christ. It is Christ-centered, then it becomes others-centered, and yet we become this channel through which God is working. And that's the that's the the encouraging, fulfilling thing about it, not to feel important personally about myself and my gift. It's easy as Christians sometimes to, to launch attacks at the world, how you know they're, they're trying to find their significance through, through money and, and positions and, and fun and all that kind of stuff. And yet we can sometimes in the church, import the same attitude because we are seeking our significance, our importance, through a church position or through a ministry. But it's not given for that. It's given for the common good. So as you, as you even progress and you say, I'm really finding it where I fit, you have to ask yourself, is this ministry becoming my identity? Because that's a problem. Your ministry is not your identity. Your identity is, is first of all, you are a child of God whether you ever serve him or not. You are a child of God, secure in the everlasting love of God. Unconditionally, the cross is all about a gift to you of salvation. Your identity is not how you serve. Your identity is that you are a child of God. But then God does an amazing thing because he has given you a spiritual gift and he wants to use you. He has uniquely designed you so that then the inevitable good natural desire to matter and make a difference becomes god-focused because he is supplying the power to do what he wants to do and you find that yourself you are actually being enriched with the privilege of serving you find through spiritual gifts in ministry a, a tangible way in which you are contributing to eternal work every week I marvel at the, at the, at the kind of the variety of things I see getting done, or, or I, I didn't know you were doing that, or I, I didn't even know that was happening sometimes. And, and so I marvel at how God is using certain people, but it's also about every week where I, I'm actually kind of hurt or saddened to see that, that there are some who are not engaged. They've never, they've never even pursued trying to get Connected and plugged into where God would use their spiritual gift because it's a huge part of why he saved you And and he meant to use you in the lives of others in different ways. It's why it's why we even have church there's Obviously one one reason that we gather is to worship together. There's something just amazing about being together uh, Worshipping together with music praying together hearing the Word of God together we, God calls us together to worship together but also to work together. And, and, and we need to balance out the worship and the work because both of them glorify God. and They're, they're like these the two hands of, of how God is at work in us. Otherwise, if it's just about like this experience thing, you can really do that on YouTube. And in fact, you're if, if you worship through YouTube, you can pick your pastor. <laughs> Here you're kind of stuck with, you know, me and Nate. And, and kids ministry, there is amazing stuff that has been produced by the most creative minds with all the technology. You can watch the greatest videos, and you can get recording artists of your choice with your genre and your preference, and you, you, you press favorite on Spotify, and now you hear all that best stuff, and or you can come here and worship with us. We're not recording artists. We're not pick your own pastor. We don't have the, everything's not perfect and you meet downstairs with your kids that why do we do it? Because that is where we are engaged with one another and we see the working of God not in some, you know, virtual studio, some place that created something that blesses us, but now we're this reciprocal thing is happening and we're enriching each other for the common good and then verses 8 9 and 10 paul gives a list of of gifts it's a sample list there's like three or four passages in the new testament that uh, give uh, different gifts these are gifts clearly that were present in the in the corinthian church in 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 a.d 50s when he writes to them as i read this list it's likely that you'll kind of say, man, what's that? i never even heard of that. Uh, There might be a reason why they are kind of unique to us. Verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith, meaning some kind of gift of faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. So as, as I read that list, you might go, man, what is, I don't even recognize that. This section, this list of gifts, seems to focus on what is sometimes called the sign gifts, meaning that they were miraculous signs, and signs always point to something to some reality, right? So there's some, something they're pointing to and they were needed and they were present. Uh, but are they present today will be a legitimate question. We need, we'll we talk more about it uh, throughout uh, this mini-series. But Paul doesn't really discuss these gifts at this point. He just lists them as examples of, you know what, all those gifts and, and some of them have become kind of contentious for you guys. We, we all need them. They all come from the, from the same spirit. But let's... let's um, put that together with, okay, next week, end of chapter 12, there'll be uh, a couple of those gifts repeated in a list and a couple more added. Or you go to Romans 12 and you find a list of spiritual gifts that actually probably everybody would recognize because, yeah, we need that. We need, I, I know people like that. And then uh, the passage that uh, Pastor Nate read uh, in our call to worship is a list in Ephesians 4 of, of some leadership gifts that were meant to equip uh, the believers to use their spiritual gifts in their way. so so. There's different kinds of of lists. So so, what's with this group that he put together? Why is it unique? Let me just kind of kind of lay a foundation for some of this. The church in Corinth and the whole every church in the New Testament era was functioning without a New Testament. They didn't have it because what it, it was happening, it was happening, and it was being. Being written. In fact, it's it's likely that the Corinthian church had no New Testament scripture until this letter arrived, the book of the the first book of of Corinthians. So that's the first part of the New Testament they had, and did they even recognize that it had the same authority as all of their Old Testament scripture? And so, gifts were needed to communicate new truth, and to miraculously substantiate that here's new truth that is is really from God. Uh, everything had changed just within a couple of decades. If this is in the 50s, just, just two, 20 years before is when, when Christ had come and changed everything in the hinge of history because now instead of looking forward to the cross by animal sacrifice, you look back at the cross with no animal sacrifice and say, it's already been paid. Everything is paid by the cross. That's a, that is the biggest shift of all of human history in, in God's uh, plan. Now we know how we're redeemed. Along with that, the, 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 the church has begun. And, and now instead of it being uh, focused around Israel and going to a temple, it's now that we are each the temple of God. And, and Jews, Gentiles, we're all the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and so the way we function in the church is a brand new thing. There was no church in the Old Testament, so that's dramatically different. And the, the presence of the Holy Spirit living in every... There is so much new stuff and change that God needed to speak Directly and authoritatively, especially in this little era of time, several decades during which the New Testament is being inspired by God, written down uh, a book here, a book here, a letter here, a letter here. Eventually, it's all put together, distributed so that we have a New Testament, but they didn't have it. And so, God gifted apostles like Paul to speak directly and gifted people to to write scripture things that are no longer being done no one's writing scripture today don't believe if somebody claims they are writing scripture today and so this package of gifts was needed and we may not fully understand what each one is because we don't see them really doing anything that's not they're not functional today so i'm just going but i'm going to just kind of make put question marks by some of them of what they could be because we don't really know and others kind of are obvious because there's other examples in the new testament so we do know what they are things that were essential however to the apostolic age message of wisdom was that like a special gift of giving helping people with spiritual advice if I'm seeking to give spiritual advice to somebody, I'm often in the New Testament, you know, a marriage principle, a parenting principle, an ethical principle, but was there a spirit of, of wisdom to help give godly advice? Was there the message of knowledge? Was, that, was it, these are question marks, related to interpreting? So you, they had the Old Testament, they could read that, but, but somebody who was interpreting what the Old Testament would be like, what, what is this about? Was that really was what about Christ or not? Special ability to trust God, that they were facing a lot of persecution, they had a lot of obstacles, and they needed some people to say, no, we can trust God, we can, you know, like take the land of Canaan back in the Old Testament. Healing is obvious, physical healings, and there are, there obviously there's a gift of physical healing in the time and other miraculous uh, things that were done. Sign gifts pointing to truth, we'll see at some point. Prophecy was needed. And prophecy, in the sense of of not only telling the future but declaring something in the present, Paul uh, was was had a prophetic voice. He could speak directly for God. New revelation, distinguishing of spirits. What we saw in verse three here. How do you know if this what you're what you're experiencing is really from God or is all of a sudden this a demonic thing or something? Tongues, we'll see as speaking in unlearned languages. How? How amazing is that? And, and that's what chapter 14 will be about. If, so if someone is speaking in a language that they never learned, what good is it unless somebody interprets it? So someone's got to translate it, even when that gift was functional. Obviously, it needed to be uh, used properly and so forth. So we are given these spiritual gifts, some that we don't understand. But, Paul, but Paul's saying, I, I need to tell you that these are legitimately given, but it's not for your good. Personally, it's for you to benefit others. It's for the common good. It's not your—it's not your platform for personal significance. Verse eleven, then, Paul—you could say—wraps up the introductory section by saying, "All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one." Just as He determines. So, as you think about uh, what might be some one or more of your spiritual gifts, in maybe this coming weeks, if that's kind of a fresh thought to you, realize that God has chosen to give those gifts as He determines. God doesn't. God didn't sponsor, you know, like a spiritual gift grab bag that you can go and pick one out not a white elephant type of thing you can trade gifts try to get a better one you don't draw names no god the holy spirit knew you and he knew exactly how he wanted to gift you there were no mistakes in the giving of gifts ephesians chapter 1 says that God chose you from the foundation of the world. So as you came to faith in Christ, realize God was at work until you heard the gospel and believed. But he, he knew you from when he created the world. In chapter 2 of Ephesians then says how we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. So where do works fit in? Ephesians 2.10 says, but he has designed you to do good works. So you're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone. But then he says, he designed you to do good works that he had planned beforehand. So when he knew you and created you, he says, and there are some good works that I want that person to do. But he's going to need the power. She's going to need the power to be able to do them. So chapter 4 says, so I gave the church some of these leadership gifts. That's the only list he mentions there. But he says, so that they could, he could, they could equip the believers for the way they're supposed to serve. So think about how you are especially in the plan of God that He chose you before the foundation of the world, and then he, he saved you by faith. He says, I got some some things, some good works planned for you, and I've equipped you and I've placed you in the body of Christ, and there you can develop your spiritual gift to serve my purposes best. What an amazing plan. So the last part of chapter twelve will say, So value the gifts of others, because what What God did for you, He did for everybody else. Chapter 13, remember love is more important because giftedness is not as great as godliness. And chapter 14, stop showing off with your gift if you have some of the miraculous ones, right? So He's given us this introduction for us to hopefully find exactly where we fit in the body of Christ. 46 years ago, I guess now, God raised up Open Door Bible Church in in Port Washington few of you were a part of some of those earliest years. Because he wanted uh, at least another place where the gospel of Jesus Christ could go forth, hopefully clearly. And it would be where he would uh, draw together people with different gifts, because he gives different gifts in a particular local body. And whether it's, whether it's a, a dozen people forming a, a, a church, under a tree in 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 some desert country or whether it's a, a a mega church someplace and no matter what language or country or open door bible church here he has drawn together exactly the people he wants because he said i need to give these gifted people so they will exalt christ number one that's always the focus so god will get done in their lives what he wants to get done and so they will learn other-centeredness to do that, use their gift for the common good and not, not for themselves. And so in that process, somehow, he brought you here. And so if you consider this your church, just, just, to, the, just to the extent at least that, you have a church? Yeah, I go to Open Door Bible Okay. Then he designed you to be part of this church in some unique, special way. Not just to worship together, but be part of us working together for the purposes of Christ. He didn't call you here to give you a, a a a spiritual gym membership at Open Door. You know, you just come here, I get strong here. No. He he, he put the, the the picture is a family. He put you into a family and everybody in a family has a role. And, and he wants us to work together. So as you think about the purposes of spiritual gifts and begin to, to hopefully understand where you fit, you begin to ask questions like, okay, so not just what is my gift, because sometimes I think we can get way too, you know, specific. I got to know my gift. Just start serving. But you begin to ask yourself who, when, where, how best do I fit? And then he will empower that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you have a plan for our lives. We often think so selfishly, singularly about ourselves as relating to you, and you have personally become our Savior. But help us to think of ourselves as part of the family in which you placed us, and then a local family. And so we rejoice to be a church as part of your worldwide, broad church, the, the body of Christ. Lord, we just seek in whatever years we have left before you return for us, or before you take us individually to heaven, we pray that we would be working together to accomplish your eternal purposes. Encourage us. Uh, Lord, we are, we are sinners seeking to, to grow in holiness, and, and uh, we come with all of our insecurities, all of our histories, and all of our hesitations, and you know whatever struggle we're facing, whatever step is hard for us, and we know that you are the one by your spirit who dwells in us who will indeed empower us to, to, to do and be and accomplish for you and with you what you desire. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.